0: Hey everybody, this is Pat Hollander with another episode of Ideas at ND. On this podcast, my guest was Matt Levy, who's the director of the Idea Center Innovation Lab. He's also a capstone advisor and mentor for the ESTEEM program in Notre Dame and a research associate professor within the biology department here at Notre Dame. Um, We talked a lot on this podcast about Matt's work at the Innovation Lab and how it's making a meaningful impact on student entrepreneurship at the university. We also talked a bit about Matt's background, which was super interesting. Um, And I really enjoy this conversation, so I hope you enjoy it as well. Thanks for listening. All right, so um, got Matt Levy on the podcast. This is exciting. Um, Oh, yeah, it is. You are the director of the Innovation Lab. Yes. What exactly does that entail here at the Idea Center?
1: Well... The Innovation Lab is a space where a lot of the, we'll say, uh, where a lot of hands get dirty in the process of doing entrepreneurship. So this is where folks do a lot of product design, whether that's on their own or in collaboration with one of our industrial designers. Uh, from there, they might want to do a, a, some prototyping, and we have world class 3D printers laser cutters, other tools. We plug into metalworking assets on campus and abroad to really drive a project towards creating that minimum viable, well even we'll say in a first article, and then from there we try to take that to a minimum viable prototype. Uh, that's ultimately you know commercializable. And we even provide students space, dedicated project base, where they can launch their companies right out of and start to generate inventory and sell product and really get a company yeah. So we try to do all those those three things: design, fabricate, and launch on behalf of uh, student entrepreneurs.
0: That makes sense. So how did you end up in this situation? How did you end up in this role, at
1: Notre Dame? Yeah, it's a good question. You know, uh, doing this audio recording, it's, you know, a lot of people think, oh, it's probably in no a room for, full of three D printers, but really, <laughs> we, we built this facility out of giant Lego blocks. And, yeah. Patterned laser-cut plywood. All everything is DIY here. We've built all of our own benches and stools and chairs. And even right now as we speak, we're in a wonderful corner booth <laughs> that is uh, suspended two feet off the ground with LEDs overhead, so we have a sky-high view here in the facility. It's pretty fun that way. But, anyways, uh, you know, I'm actually a biology professor, and about uh, seven years ago, we'll say, my lab really got into three D printing. At the time, we were doing a lot of biomedical imaging, so CT scans of mice and rats. And uh, you know, I had a bright student that said, hey, we should look into 3D printing. It's this hot new deal, right? And so we started 3D printing the biomedical data, so we'd get preclinical scans and print that. We, we practiced how to print like, rat skeletons and stuff. And then we translated that to a number of projects on human data, We we're 3D printing human data with multiple, multiple materials, and that was pretty cool. But we became the evangelists for 3D printing technology, and we even started a little 3D printing facility in the basement of Galvin Hall, which is the, the biology building here at Notre Dame. Uh, and funny enough, you know, two and a half years ago, the Idea Center starts, and Brian Ritchie, who's the overall you know, director of the, the Idea Center, the head honcho comes by the office over in Galvin and says, Congratulations, you're being acquired. <laughs> it took us out of a little 500-square-foot space, and now we have this beautiful 3,300-square-foot 3, space. And then I moved over here to serve as the director. And this is actually half of my job. The other half is to serve on the, uh, the faculty for the esteemed right Entrepreneurship Program for STEM students. Right. So anyways, that's a long-winded answer. But yeah, just entrepreneurship bent my career arc from biology to entrepreneurship, and now here I am. It's awesome. a good Life in the, in the innovation. Line.
0: It seems like it. I wanted to ask you about that. Like, what's it like showing up to this facility as your job? Because I, you know, I've been to some offices, and this is I wouldn't really call this an office. This is like a, it's like a space with all these fun tools and designs and creative people doing exciting things. So does it does it ever not feel like a job?
1: Well, it's it is definitely 90% blessing and maybe 10% curse. <laughs> <laughs> because we, we do. It's it's a labor of love, perhaps it's better to say that. And that yeah, we're really happy with the way this has turned out. And it's you know, we're thrilled to be here, but it, we also recognize we've done we feel like we've done something very special. So we're very motivated motivated to preserve it and do everything we can to to keep it going, you know, and to to make it a success, to make it sustainable and something that's here for a long time and can help many many people for as long as possible yeah so yeah it, absolutely it's it's it is absolutely a blessing to be open to...
0: I'm done has there ever been because um, you said you're working with students to kind of teach them about entrepreneurship and help them kind of take their ideas and get them off the ground is there you know one project or perhaps one company that you've been part of launching or some idea that you've been part of inventing that kind of sticks out in your mind, over, like over the years?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we've helped a lot, a number of students, and it's, it's, it's a lot of fun to do because the projects are all so different, and uh, it just makes it a lot of fun. Uh, you know, probably one of the flagship stories to come out of this space would be Enlightened Mobility, mm-hmm. who was recently the subject of a well, "What Would You Fight For?" yes clip uh, at halftime of you know the Notre Dame football game on NBC. Mm-hmm. So, you know, they, what's cool about entrepreneurship, you, you see these big projects, you see even smaller ones, but in general at Notre Dame, they're all trying to advance the common good. You know, make leverage capitalism to make the world a better place. And I think that's one thing that makes it so rewarding day in and day out, whether you're collegiate soaps. All right, you make soap in the shape of an ND. But the idea there, of course, is all right, well, we can still do good with this company and we can donate soap to you know, women's shelters and homeless shelters and things like that as part of our social mission, right? So there's always this eye for, for how do we use this to do good in the world. And I think that's what, that's what makes it so special. But for those that don't know, Enlightened Mobility, who I just mentioned, you know, they're making a, a walker that's specialized for folks that have had a lower leg amputation. Turns out there's well over 100,000 people a year, almost 200,000 that, that can get a lower leg amputation. And the idea of using crutches and walkers or even wheelchairs, it just doesn't cut it for this population because they they go home after the surgery and they're waiting to be fitted for a prosthetic and six months goes by and they've been sitting on a couch for six months, guess what? Rehab is that much harder. They've built a walker that's going to be specialized for them so they can get normal gait motion and be, really be ready to be fitted and, 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 and rapidly advance the, the rehab process for those folks. And just make them more mobile immediately after the surgery too. Very special story with from very special students um, namely Marissa, Marissa Koschelski and Adrian Rodriguez, and Jeff Reiney, and, and others who have really helped make that that success. So.
0: Yeah. I've heard a ton about Marissa's story. It seems pretty, pretty incredible. Must yep. be must be amazing to be able to kind of work with her in developing that with the kind of impact that she's going to be able to make.
1: Yeah. And then what's cool about that story, too, of course, is that was actually started when we were still in the basement of Galvin. Oh, so, yeah? So we had all these little walker prototypes, not even little, these full-scale walker prototypes. That were being built in the hallway. Yeah, because there's just no other space on campus to do this work, right? Like, that really hits home why you gotta have this space, right? Because they're students; they have apartments and dorms. Where are they gonna build but like, walkers and drill on them and, and beat them into shape? So yeah, that, that that's one reason that just even physical space is so important to do entrepreneurship. Yeah, You've gotta, it's gotta happen somewhere, and this is where it's happening for so, for so many, and it's it's a lot of fun that way.
0: Yeah, kind of going off of that, I know a, a huge part of the idea center is sort of. Um, almost giving students permission to go for entrepreneurship because sometimes I think as a, an undercredit Notre Dame it sometimes feels like you have these very narrow paths that you can choose from whether that's going into finance or consulting or going to med school or law school or you know these traditional paths that you have the choice to make to, to kind of take but entrepreneurship isn't often spoken as one of those so how do you see the Idea Center kind of playing a role in giving students that opportunity to try this out as a potential
1: yeah, future. I think, you know, in a lot of ways, the idea center de-risks it for students to, you know, stick their toe in the water a little bit. So if you've got an idea, you can submit okay. the. You know, having an idea is one of the hardest parts, but you can Why submit you the idea like and idea. pitch, and then get funding. You know, no strings attached oh. funding, up to twenty five hundred dollars to work on your idea. Yeah, right. That 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 really incredibly de-risks it from a financial standpoint, What's and then yeah, you know. Oh. The, build a team and, and take a look and, and you get nice really good mentorship to figure out hey does this idea have legs or should we take a hard pass right nothing wrong with that we call that failing forward right like right. you don't want to waste time on something that's not going to work out and there's nothing wrong with that that's another part of the mentality is that hey failure is just perfectly fine I mean 85% of startups fail get used to it it's it's a matter of failing fast so you can move on to the next one on to the next one, on to the next one and you can an advanced advance one that's gonna really, you know, have a lot of impact.
0: Yeah, for sure.
1: And, and, and there's also just new opportunities in terms of a minor, uh, you know, obviously the graduate program. And I, I think you're gonna see uh, just, you know, it, obviously I mentioned that you know, there's McCloskey, the business plan competition, and the normal pitches. There's just such a nice little ecosystem that's developing on behalf of students to really get engaged and do this stuff. And, and again, leverage, commercialism, even, uh, leverage entrepreneurship, leverage capitalism, to have impact.
0: Yeah, definitely. I noticed in your bio, this is kind of taking yeah. a, a different path in the conversation, that mm-hmm. you, you were uh, an Army Reserve Captain for 22 years.
1: Well, I wasn't a, yes, I, I was in the Army for 22 years. I wasn't a Captain for 22 <laughs> years, but... Uh, not a, right,
0: I, not a Captain for 22 years. Yeah, yeah, no, no, no,
1: no worries, no worries, of course. Uh, yeah, I enlisted right out of high school in the National Guard as a medic, wonderful years of my life, probably the, the, the best thing I did as a young person to set myself up for success, and uh, loved it. I'd probably still be doing it, but just couldn't have kids now. <laughs> and, the, and, I, and I crossed 20 and had the opportunity to retire. So right, but, right. No, you know, that's what's great about life. You just try to get as many different experiences as you can, and then it's funny how you draw on that sometimes, but, uh, yeah, no, I mean, did the National Guard for, a, uh, you know, eight or nine years, something like that, and then got a commission to become an officer, and then just followed that path for the last, whatever, 12 or 13 years, and, and managed to retire. Wow. <laughs> yeah. But how do you, you... start at 17, you know, you can you can be 40 and have retired from something, which is always just sort of funny.
0: Yeah. How do you think you've drawn on it? And you, you mentioned that it was probably the best thing you could have done to set yourself up for success. What, how do you think that kind of set yourself up for where you are now and how do you see it impacting your day-to-day, maybe habits or
1: oh. anything like that? <laughs> I
0: know it's a kind of a, a tough question.
1: No, no, it's, uh, it, it's... It's different in different phases of life, okay? That's what's really, I think, important to know. Like, when you're young and in college... You know, at a big, I was at the University of Illinois, it was a major party school, right? And a lot of your friends are out partying and doing other things. Uh, you know, when you're in the guard, you, you know, a lot of there's certain things that are off limits. And it keeps you on the straight and narrow a little bit, you know? Yeah. And so it just, it, it makes it an easy decision to just kind of be good in a certain sense. And, you know, you got to drill one weekend a month, and that takes you out of the, that environment and puts you in a different environment where actually, if you're disciplined, you find a little, you know, one or two hours there that you can study. And so, you know, just providing some structure, keeping you out of trouble, but also there's just, when you're young, there's really wonderful self-esteem benefits, keeps you physically fit. You meet just incredible people that you know for your whole life. And so that's those are the benefits when you're younger. Then as you get a little older, you realize, oh, you're going to grad school and things like that. Uh, people give you the benefit of the doubt, I think, a lot. It's, it's a great thing to have on a resume. You know folks want to hire individuals from the military and I think that's p- for pretty good reason. Um, and then you know you get put in le- these leadership situations. you see you see the, the, mil- the longer you're in, the higher up you go. you start out like at a platoon and, and a company level and then the next thing you know, you're at a battalion and then brigade level and then division level and you see. You interact with a number of really cool and professional people and they share so many stories and, and you learn a lot about leadership from them and then but then there's just it's crazy you get older and then you're out and then you just do these the world's funniest things like I'm, I'm very judgmental on people's footwear <laughs> in, in, the, in the shininess of it like I, yeah. I just notice it because it was just beaten into my soul for so long right you know? uh, same to do with like if somebody comes in looking rough you know, like they were clearly out all night drinking or something and they, they didn't take a shower. I noticed that <laughs> in those comments and I bust people out for that. Just, yeah. Like just subconsciously, I don't even know I'm doing it I'm just, uh, yeah. but, You know, so you develop these sort habits along the way too. Like, to, like, to. and, and, and they just, you learn about the Army. You realize like a lot of stuff the military is doing, you should be doing that and thinking about that in real life. One example really quick is the Army, uh, eight or nine years ago, or maybe it's even ten years ago now, they changed the uniform. And it went from a system where, yeah, you had to like have really polished boots and a firmly pressed uniform, and you're spending three, you know, three or four dollars a day just to have your uniform pressed. Mm. Or, like, you spend a lot of like spend twenty or thirty minutes a day just you know, keeping your boots like, looking amazing. And then the army finally said, "Look, it's time to change our culture. You know, we're gonna go to boots that don't need shined." Boom. Everybody has an extra half hour of their day back. Yeah. Right? Oh, we're gonna go to uh, uh, to uniforms that don't need. To be pressed. In fact, we're gonna we're gonna do away with that altogether. Bang! Now everybody has an extra seven eight hundred dollars a year that they're not blowing at the dry cleaner. You know what I'm saying? Right. And then you just think about maybe we should be applying that to other places in life. You know? Do we need to have? Does everybody need to wear a suit and tie every day? Probably not. You know how much time goes into that? So it's just that mentality. Like those cultures that seem so regimented can change, and you you can just be practical about it along the way. I don't know, that's
0: just one of those things. Yeah, that's really interesting, though, because I was going to ask, you know, the I guess sort of from the outside looking in, I don't have any military experience, but mm-hmm. what I've heard or what I've understood about the military is that it perhaps doesn't promote individual creativity as much as it does kind of really buying into that, that team mentality and, and being part of a greater unit, unit. And yet, you know, I kind of look at your, your role now, which you've had so much success in, and it's purely about kind of individual creativity and, and pushing boundaries and changing things constantly, but it seems like maybe the military is more adaptive to change than maybe I thought.
1: Yeah, and I mean, I think that there's definitely room for individual impact in the Army. You know, they had a whole advertising campaign, Army of One, Army yeah. of One, you know. And that's why you, you hear lots of stories of, of valor, one person going out and doing something that was seemingly crazy in the moment but then they, they saved you know 20 people's lives and stuff like that so and, and by the way and then, you know with very creative solutions on the fly right, right? in fact you could almost argue that <laughs> there's some very funny forms of creativity that take place in the military in, in the name of achieving a mission and that's I think that's, that is something that I've adopted too is like just look you know when you, when you have an objective, you accomplish it. And oh, if something breaks along the way, then you gotta take two more steps to circumvent that problem, you do that, and you just you keep going, and then when you're done, you're done, move on to the next objective. And sometimes, yeah, there's a lot of creative problem solving that comes out of that, for sure. Yeah, I think, I, I don't, it, it, yeah, it's definitely a team mentality, but a lot of room for individuals to, to make a big difference, for sure. Yeah, definitely.
0: Something something I was wondering is, you know, you're kind of, um, you're sort of leading this incredibly creative and dynamic entity at the Idea Center. How do you, I guess, prioritize the objectives that you're looking for in a way that, you know, fosters creativity and allows for spontaneity, but still leads you to get your your job done, if that makes sense. What a wonderful question. What a wonderful question. Well.
1: in a lot of ways we actually just keep it simple. You know, like, at the end of the day, this facility has a certain service offering to people. You know, like a lot of the creativity is done by the folks walking in the door, like conceiving an idea, right? That's, we talk a lot about, oh, let's let's design it up, let's prototype it, and let's launch it, but there's actually a, a, a phase that happens before all that, and that's conceiving this whole thing, right? Yeah. And that's one of the hardest parts that requires a lot of creativity, and that's being done on behalf of the students, you know. Yeah, we try to foster an environment that's creative and, and maybe inspires creativity, but at the end of the day, it's, it's, it's a community thing, you know. We're just trying to be a home for it. We're trying to foster it and, and be aware of that, that creativity is sort of a part of the equation of entrepreneurship. I mean, it takes a lot of IQ, right? I would say it takes a lot of EQ. Mm-hmm. Um, and then a lot of CQ as well, you know, you gotta have that creativity quotient as well. And the Idea Center has given us the resources to sort of foster that, make that happen. So yeah, I mean, it just comes down to, again, fostering that, but really it's driven a lot in most of the students. And, and the reason that we built this thing out of Legos is to just change it however we need to meet the needs of the students. Right. Right. And the Idea Center and all of their stakeholders. Yeah. And it was, I mean, and I would tell you, like, yeah, this looks creative and cool. It was lucky that we got, we found these blocks. Yeah. So lucky that we went with this concept because we had no idea what we were doing to begin with. And it's allowed us to change the space to any place without any issues at all.
0: Where'd you get the blocks?
1: Oh, big shout-out to Everblock. Everblock. One of my favorite companies. Were
0: they the ones building the tower in the stairwell the other yeah, day? Yeah, that was us. We took all that the, was you guys.
1: We took all the blocks out of here as a Idea Center team-building event. Yeah. And we formed a human chain all the way down the hallway, and we built a 41-foot-tall <laughs> Everblock tower. Set the world record, baby. Yes.
0: That was a world record? Yeah. For highest block tower?
1: Highest ever block.
0: High, highest ever block tower. Yeah, there
1: are Lego ones that are taller, but the Wow. Are oh, highest
0: games. ever block tower. Okay. Yeah yeah yeah, 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 yeah,
1: And given that there was never a record before us, feel yeah. pretty good that we, <laughs> <laughs> that we did it. We, yeah. We actually set it pretty high, though. Good luck to anybody else that wants to do that. That's pretty cool. It is a rear end kicker for, for sure. Yeah, that was tough. That's good stuff. Yeah, good times.
0: Do you ever think about what you want the Innovation Lab to be in the future? I know you're, you're probably very focused on today, but do you have some kind of grand vision about how you want it to change or adapt or improve going forward?
1: Yes, you know, uh, obviously I obsess over that very question. Uh, I think a lot of I think not that a great. What I would tell you is I think Innovation Lab, we'll call it 3.0, will continue to grow its quote-unquote service offering in the form of more equipment. There are you know, need gaps that are present at Notre Dame, and really even regionally, mm-hmm. that we can fill through equipment acquisition, and we're waiting on some resources to come in and do that, namely large format uh, laser cutting, water jetting, to just name a couple, and even like super-duper large format, super-duper <laughs> large format 3D printing, meaning... You know, in a volume that's two foot by two foot by four foot, but hey, maybe we should build one that's that builds in a ten foot by ten foot by ten foot volume. Yeah. Like, like there's there's just a lot of cool things that we can continue to do, and also you know expanding our service offering to some of the digital platforms, whether it's UI UX design, whether it's going to be you know, actually coding apps and things like that. There, there's a lot that I'd like to add to what we do, you know, to the to the service offering that we have. Um, you know at Notre Dame and in our local community. That's the first thing. I, I think that uh, you know this this in year two here we are billing ourselves now as the prototyping partner in the community and I think we're gonna continue to have a really solid focus on the community. The local South Bend community. And then yeah, we'll go from that so those will be some of the fundamental pieces. <laughs> Can that hurt on the
0: community? I don't think there? so. Probably okay. not. That should be fine.
1: Yeah, cool. So, yeah, I mean, yeah. you know, you're focused on entrepreneurs and helping people. And that's really, man, we love to help people. And we love to help people in the community. Help people start companies. but just help people that have means in the community. Uh, so that's, that's going to be a big part of our ethos is just using this as a platform to do good for everybody that we can. No doubt about it.
0: Definitely. That sounds great. Well, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Hey! This has been a great conversation.
1: We did it. We made it. We that's did a right. podcast. Life is good. <laughs> thank
0: you so much. Yeah, thank you. So that was Matt Levy on the podcast. Um, hope you enjoyed it. If you did enjoy the podcast, please subscribe. Uh, give us a review. It's pretty easy on the Apple Podcasts app if you're using that one just to um, hit the stars for however many stars you think <laughs> this podcast deserves. Hopefully it's five. Um, thanks so much for listening. Uh, hopefully we're going to have a few more episodes coming up soon. Um, Got some really cool guests lined up, so looking forward to that. Thanks for listening.